Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ecom Edge, the first e-commerce podcast focused on how enterprise brands, manufacturers, and teams like yours can be smarter with data, technology, and resources to gain that very important competitive edge. So are you losing sleep about the growing rate of returns in your business and wondering what it is you can do about it? Today, we're going to speak with Navjeet Basin, who has developed an amazing platform to address this growing leakage problem, made worse because all the costs associated with returns are usually spread across different stakeholders. You're listening to the Ecom Edge brought to you by Coveo, and I'm your host, Diane Burley. Navjeet, welcome. I'm thrilled to have you. I heard you speak at, at the lead uh, in Brooklyn uh, this summer, and I thought, oh, I've got to have him on. He's, he's just got a great product. Um, and you also have an amazing board of directors, and I'm bringing that up at the beginning of this because it looks like you did extensive research when you put together this product, um, the chief returns officer. Uh, tell me a little bit about the background and why you went about uh building this platform. Sure, Diane. Uh, again, Dan, th- thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned the board of uh, advisors that we have. And, uh, <clears throat> Diane, given an early stage startup, I wanted to make sure we had the right advisors, the right believers earlier on in our journey as we built our product. And as you already mentioned, right, our product, Chief Returns Officer, very laser focused on helping retailers reduce returns. And that's the key word there. We're not about managing or processing returns. We're really about helping retailers prevent returns, which ultimately leads to reduction of returns. Because as we've seen over the last several years or even uh, decades now, e-commerce has been growing. In COVID, e-commerce grew through the roof. And by the way, returns grew at the same pace, if not more. And uh, Diane, in my past lives, I had solved this puzzle of returns reduction, but it was with brute force. This is about 10 years ago. And then when we started developing and focusing on building our technology, technology, technological advancements had already happened in the industry, such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, even though they may sound like buzzwords, we have created a true application of AI and machine learning to solve a problem which has existed for decades decades, and uh, always assumed as cost of doing business. So our goal is to really have retailers think different about returns. You just don't need to manage volume. You and need you to- do. And you do it at scale. I mean, because you mentioned manually. My family had a retail business, and they always kept track if something, if breakage, if breakage is obviously one of the causes of returns, and they go, oh, you know, let's keep track of this manufacturer. Maybe we won't use it again. And, and indeed, that became part of their buying decision. But when you're talking about such a the large brands that you're working with, you can't do that because there's no real one stakeholder. It's crossing a across the problem of returns and getting to the root causes you you like to say is that it's across many different departments that are, that are impacted and bringing all that data together has been really the, the challenge hasn't it uh absolutely diane and uh, you know uh, data definitely has been a challenge and i think the bigger challenge is 
how do you bring all of those different departments together to solve a problem, right? Uh, if you look at any retailer out there today, or I would say more, most of the retailers don't have a true owner of returns. And when you don't have a true owner, when you don't have somebody accountable for returns, guess what? That problem doesn't get solved. And so absolutely data is essential. Data is critical. But how do you uh, corral the troops? How, how do you bring the, you know, uh, bring it as a strategic imperative for the retailer that, you know what, you got to take it seriously. Where does it fall in a, in a, in a company. In fact, I, before we were speaking, I inadvertently called it the, the, the what I call it, risk officer, right? Instead yes. of returns officer. Would it normally fall under risk, a CFO function, or was it an operations role? I mean, who was responsible or if they bothered to stick their head up out of the hole in the ground and said, hey, I'll take responsibility. So, 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 so Diane, uh, I'll, I'll go a little bit back into the history, right? So returns have existed since the catalog industry days, right? And it was embedded in the head, hey, assume you're going to get 10, 15% returns. And that's how the whole PNL was built, so, right? So, and returns have a negative connotation attached. And that's why nobody wants to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm the chief returns officer. And I, and that gives a, gave us an opportunity to name our product chief returns officer. So to answer your question, there is no true owner of returns today within the retail environment. Processing falls on the supply chain. Margin issue falls on the merchandising. But as we all know, right, Merchandisers are the creative people bringing new products to the market. They want to feel their consumer, how their consumers are you going to use their product, right? So for them, it is about uh, retaining margins, but more importantly, hey, let's produce products that the customers are willing to buy. And now that is where a distinction happens, Diane, buying versus keeping the product. Right. And what we found in our journeys is returns are typically an indication of a problem upstream. And could it be product quality related issue, product fit, product sizing, product delivery, or any other factor around from the time the product is manufactured to deliver to the consumer? What is the, what is the number one problem typically? Or is there well, no typical? Does it de- is it dependent upon industry or category? It absolutely depends on the category, and even it depends on the operations of that retailer or the brand as well. So, just for example, right? M- merchandisers create the products they believe their customers want, and the marketers advertise that product. Now, when you're advertising the product, when you're taking it to the market. Are you able to define that product accurately? Are you able to depict it correctly? So customer, because they can touch and feel in the e-commerce world, but can you get them as close to reality as possible or not? And that's when issues start happening. You know, for example, if you have, you know, uh, uh, a mini dress on a model who's sitting, right? Uh, you, You get the issue, right? And believe it or not, these issues still happen. 
our technology is able to figure those issues out and provide corrective action. So let's talk about the the data that you're bringing in. You're saying it crosses over all of these usual silos. So what kind of data uh, tends to be most impactful when you're when you're bringing it all together? See, well, uh, Diane, retailers typically have pretty much all the data that our platform uses, starting from the product catalog, transactional data, the returns data, customer sentiment data, et cetera, right? Now, retailer, sorry, customers are always eager to get their refund when they initiate a return, right? So they're not going to give you the right reason they're returning. Again, some will, but for the most part, they don't give you the right return reason because their intent and even retailers' intent is to have less friction during the returns process. So, but when you, when we get out, get data from product reviews, social media data, survey data, call center data, now we are talking unstructured data where customer is giving you some indication, some signals about why they are returning. So if we can combine that unstructured data with the actual structured data, like the transactions, et cetera, now we apply, hey, what is the propensity of this product being returned versus being kept? And that's when, you know, the the algorithms and the black box of chief returns officer kicks in. So one of the things that... Um I, I knew that the rate of returns had been growing, but one of the things that you said was that 50%, um, it's been greater than 50% in some fashion lines. Is that true? That, that is absolutely true, Diane. In fact, in uh, uh, especially in swimwear, returns can be as high as 50 to 60%. Oh, please don't. Let's talk about swimwear. That's That's like, <laughs> that's evil. Even when you're trying it on, you're wondering, why did I do this? <laughs> I wouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last thing you returned? Can I ask? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a pair of shoes. A pair of shoes. Well, and, 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 I'm going to say not a pair of shoes, pairs of shoes. <laughs> well, you know, and Zappos made their um, their brand name because you were able to order all these shoes and then be able to to return them. So I know that, you know, Amazon's had very, uh, and all the big box stores have had very liberal return policies and retailers had to follow suit. In fact, we just did a, a survey of 2000 consumers and they said return policy is really, really key. And if a company doesn't have a good return policy, they're not going to buy from it. So, I mean, how do you, how do you remedy all these? So Diane, it's the Amazons and the Zappos of the world who have, uh, you can say, spoiled the consumer or trained the consumer behavior, right? So if me or you as a consumer are shopping on Amazon, then we go and shop at, let's say, uh, Express or Abercrombie or wherever else, right? We are tuned to the expectations that Amazon has set. Now, can can a typical retailer offer the same policies and still make money? Absolutely not, right? Because, you know, you brought up Zappos. Zappos, excuse me, as part of their business model, they have already baked in, hey, consumer may buy five pairs of shoes and they may not even keep all five. So they already 
you know, as part of their pricing, as part of their margin calculation, they have baked it in. Whereas the other typical retailers and brands, you know, they can't afford to do that. And so that's a big mismatch. Now, see, what consumers really want is an easy option to return should they have to return. I'm not saying all returns are bad. In fact, if retailers can learn from early returns and prevent future returns, that's what really our business model is of our technology. You know, uh, it's uh, a lot of the people or a lot of times it is said, you know, returns drives traffic to the store. But guess what? The moment customer has made up their mind to return, you've already lost the margins on that particular product. Now, what you're trying to do next is, hey, can I save some margin by either offering an exchange or if they walk into the store, can I sell them something else? But uh, we've yet to see some good data around how much has that really impacted overall sales for that given retailer. Now, do you get um, as granular as looking at who's a good customer uh, versus a more risky customer, customers who return once in a while versus customers who make a, you know, it's a habit to, to return all the time and you can make other decisions about that customer. Like, do you want them as a customer? Well, uh, it, it, so Diane, at the end of the day, that was the real question is, right? <clears throat> you know, in all the CRMs and uh, customer lifetime value calculations, uh, returns have been included, but they haven't been included to the level of thinking, hey, don't think of return as just as a transaction. You got to think holistically about returns for that particular customer. So, you know, what we've built under the covers is what we call keep score, which is a scoring around, hey, what is the propensity of this customer to keep the product? Because you know what? Once you understand that metric or once retailer understands that metric, now they can apply their strategies, their tactics around even marketing, promotions, etc. So it's, you know, going to, hey, how do I personalize that individual's experience even better so I have higher chances of them keeping the product. So I heard you were a huge Schitt's Creek fan. (laughs) (laughs) You thank Jenny for that. Uh, So where would Maura fit when a keep score? How would she, who would be a better or worse customer, David or Maura, when it comes to returning products? You know, what? Uh, I don't think Mora ever returned a product. She has <laughs> full of product, right? So she, she, she would be on top having the highest keep score. <laughs> and every retailer would love to have Mora. <laughs> or Mo- Moira. Moira, yeah. Uh, I don't watch it. My husband had to give me that. So we'll, we'll thank my husband for that one. Uh, and I, But I probably should. It sounds pretty funny. Uh Hey, listen, I want to thank you so much. Uh, you've you've got a really exciting product. I think it's something that's going to be really, it, well, it's obviously very imperative in the in the industry right now. Um, and I hope you'll come back and, and speak with us again and delve a little bit more about how you're helping customers. And maybe also we can isolate, maybe before you go, we can come up with one thing. Is there one area that the chief return officer tends to give an insight that was really a surprise to 
the different uh, brands you're working with? Well, uh, it, you know, there are tons of insights. Like I said earlier, right? It really depends the product category. But uh, it is so enlightening that, you know, people take it for granted that, hey, if a customer is complaining at the call center, you know, it's a one-off. But at times, it's not a one-off because, hey, if out of 100 customers, only one uh, customer called back, their review, their signal is worth its weight in gold. Because you know what? The others ignored saying, hey, oh, I have to go through returns hassle. But you know what? If that person gave you right feedback and that goes back into your product development for the subsequent seasons, I mean, that's not just in-season returns impact, right? That's a long tail impact of returns insights or returns intelligence. Got it. All right. Well, next time, come in uh, and, and we can delve a little bit more into some of what people are finding. And uh, I'd love to have you back on if you're willing. Uh, absolutely. Thank you, Diane, for having me. Appreciate your time, Navjeet. And, and to all of you listening, please rate and subscribe to the Ecom Edge on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Bye, everyone.